A beautiful song. I bring an offering to you. And uh, this, this Christmas is going to be a special time on December the 17th, on a Sunday. We will have the nativity all set up. It'll be a live nativity. And it's going to be a beautiful time as we worship the Lord together. And we want you to begin praying now, Lord, what would you have me to give and to lay in the manger a gift that would best just to give you the honor and the glory that you so deserve. Well, if you're glad to be here today, say amen. amen. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. And uh, today I want to speak to you on the subject on delving into the depth of Christmas. By the way, do you like all these Christmas decorations up here? They're beautiful. My staff did that this week, so amen. We're just glad you're here today. And uh, today we want to speak on the subject delving into the depth of Christmas. And in fact, um, it wasn't too long ago. I, I have a lot of pictures on my computer, older pictures too. And uh, I was looking through some old Christmas pictures. And I, I just uh, look back and just reminiscing of all the Christmases. And uh, I thought to myself, this year will be my uh, 62nd Christmas that I'm going to be able to celebrate. Uh, 62 years. And uh, that I've had the opportunity and the joy just to celebrate the birthday of Christ but as I look back and I see so many memories of past Christmases, and uh, I can kind of look in my face in my earlier days, and I could see like the light wasn't on. I don't think there were times earlier in my life I even had any comprehension of the significance of Christmas. As I get older, Christmas means more to me because I think God gives us greater wisdom, helps us to understand more about the significance of the season. But as I, I think back in my years, from my childhood all the way through, I just got so many memories of the Christmas season. And uh, I just ponder and I think about uh, the wonderful significance of this season. And uh, it makes me think about, I, I, I think earlier in my life, I didn't appreciate it as much as I appreciate it now. And uh, I thought about it. It's so easy to become such a traditionalist. It's so easy to become just stuck in the rut of going through the Christmas season. And uh, as you well know, we have a lot of traditions that we do in our Christmas shopping, our Christmas decorating, Christmas baking, cooking, and our get-togethers. We just kind of ditto them every year. And it's so easy to go through the motion of the Christmas season and really miss, really miss the depth of Christmas. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, delving into the depth of the Christmas season. And uh, I just want to go over this verse with you, a couple of verses, and it's in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through verse 11. It's a scripture that was already read this morning by Ashlyn Criddle. And, and this is what it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, and they were guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory shone, surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I just spent some time thinking over that verse, just meditating and asking God to give me wisdom. 
and even speaking on this subject, on delving into the depth of Christmas. There's no way that we could ever exhaust the meaning and the significance of Christmas. There's no way. It's, it's, it's far greater than we can ever comprehend. We think sometimes we got it in a capsule and we think we, we've got it, but we really don't have it. We really, really cannot comprehend the depth of Christmas. Hearing the Christmas story year after year after year can, can lose its effect over time. And I must admit there are times I've, I, I hear about it. In fact, I was talking to someone the other day and, at a doctor's office, and we were talking about Christmas, and this person was bemoaning all of the Christmas stuff that's going to be hitting them. And, and this guy particularly said, he says, what's the deal? It was just a baby. And I thought to myself, wow. He didn't understand the significance of that particular baby Jesus. You see, if we fail to step back and to, to really try to grasp the, the amazing miracle of Christmas that took place over 2,000 years ago, we will kind of miss what Christmas is all about. Unfortunately, many people see the story of Christmas through the lens of traditional folklore. They, they look at Christmas as nothing more than a religious myth or some dried up history historical tale from the past. But, but the Christian church has, has upheld the story of Christmas as absolute truth, as testified by eyewitnesses and recorded in the scriptures as a miracle for our knowledge and for our faith. And the Bible is the central basis of all absolute truth. If you believe that today, say Amen. You see, if you don't believe the Bible is God's word, then Christmas will be totally irrelevant to you. And the world looks at Christmas, and, and they have to have a secular avenue to ride in because they, they reject the absolute truths of God, so therefore they have to come and put their faith in some kind of secular thought or some kind of secular purpose of Christmas. Therefore, we embrace today as the church, as the body of Christ, we embrace the account of the Christmas story as being credible and reliable, resting upon the bedrock of truth from the inspired word of God. We hold the events of the true Christmas story as literal and foundational for our faith. And the world looks at us and says, you guys are a bunch of weak-minded people. You're foolish to believe in the, this miracle called the incarnation of Jesus Christ. You're foolish people. You're weak-minded people. And that's what the world says. It's, it's ridiculous. Jesus Christ, yes, he was a historical figure, but he was just another baby just like you. What's the big deal? This morning, I want us to look a little deeper into the truths of the Christmas story. I want us to look behind the scenes of just that nativity story. And I want us to see greater truths that should deepen our perspective about the significance of Christmas. And I was thinking about it, and I've, I've mulled this around and, and just kind of been working in this sermon and just getting my heart into it. And, and there's just three things I want to share with you this morning about delving into the depth of the meaning of Christmas. And number one is Christmas is about the clash of two worlds. Think about it. It is the clashing or the coming together of two different worlds. Luke 2.9 says, suddenly 
An angel of the Lord appeared unto, unto the shepherds, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. This was another dimension of life. It wasn't just, and, and we've, we've put angels in some kind of category, but the truth of the matter is angels represent another world. Christmas is about God's spiritual world coming in contact with a sinful fallen world. And the God's spiritual world is what we call heaven today. It is the home of God. It's where God dwells. That's where he lives. It's where his angels live. That, that's where the home of the saints are living right now. Those who have passed on from this world have entered into the other world, the kingdom of God. And 2,000 years ago, God's heavenly world collided with this sin-cursed world, and there was an explosion, there was a tension, and there was a miracle that took place, and that is the spiritual realm invaded the cursed dark world. And I say to you, praise God for that divine intervention. Had it not been for God, amen, give the Lord a hand, give him all the praise. Had he left us in our sinful state, we would be a condemned people today. I thought about that. The kingdom of God connecting to a sinful dark world. The kingdom of God touching earth. That's what happened 2,000 years ago. There was the penetration of the holiness of God. There was the penetration of the goodness of heaven coming into a sin-cursed world. What a glorious thought. Heaven is a wonderful place. I've got a lot of family members in heaven. I've never been there, but this is what God says. I have not seen, neither has ear heard the things that God has prepared for them. You know, it's going to be so grand in heaven. It's wonderful now for the saints there. It is, it is the home of God, and you know wherever God has set up his abode, it's going to be a glorious place. God is not some morose being. He is filled with joy. He's filled with happiness. That's why Christmas is a spirit of giving and a spirit of joy because that's what God is all about. I can only imagine that heaven has a place with crystal skies, no clouds, no thunderstorms. They don't need in heaven the son of the universe that we circle because Jesus himself is that brilliant light that warms and causes heaven to glow. There, there is, there's no nighttime in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. It is a place of constant glory. It is, it's a place of perfection and blazing brilliance. When you go to heaven, there's not trees that are dying. They're, they're not leaves that are falling. There's not grass that turns brown. You see, everything in heaven stays in a perpetual state, and it seems to have a, an ever-living life to itself. The colors of heaven are vibrant, and they're perpetual. 
It's a place where angels are these created beings that that are different than you and I. We've never seen an angel, but the Bible tells us that when people see angels, they're terrified because they're nothing like us. I've had people and read about people who've, who've died and went over the other side and came back enthralled in what they saw. And they said, there's no words to put in a book to explain. But there's something, they always say they're nine foot tall, they are shiny beings, and they're translucent in their skin, and they're, they're magnificent to look upon. They are created for the very purpose of serving the almighty God. Heaven is a place of absolute joy. It's an absolute place of music. It's a place of absolute peace and serenity. They're not writhing their hands over an economy. They're not writhing their hands over sin and disease and death and conflicts and, and, and national conflicts and international conflicts. It is a place of constant peace and joy all the time. And this beautiful place called heaven penetrated into the sin-dark, cursed world. That's why the angels look down upon them poor old rugged shepherds who are living a rough life out there taking care of sheep in the middle of the night. And the angel said, joy to the world, tidings of great joy, joy to the world, because the Lord has come and he has come to bring you peace and joy and happiness. Heaven is going to touch your life. Praise him. Christmas is about the clash of two worlds. Angels from the spiritual world pop all over the Christmas story. They just pop up all over. Angel tells Mary that she's going to give birth to the Messiah, and she was a virgin, and she said, how can this be? I don't know a man. God says it's a miracle. An angel tells Joseph to to call baby Jesus, which is not his child. It's a child from heaven, and it's to call his name Jesus. And an angel warns Mary and Joseph to flee to Egypt. And then an angel tells them when it's safe to return. And in our text, the angel announces to all these shepherds in the field, and the angelic choir serenades them. And then you have the mysterious star that God created, and use that star to direct these people to the child Jesus. Supernatural stuff everywhere in the Christmas story. How is that? How is that? Someone says, is there a scientific explanation for all of this? Absolutely not, because heaven is filled with the story of Christmas. But there's a lot in this, a lot of people in this world, in this fallen world, who reject the idea of a spiritual world, reject the idea of God whatsoever. To many believers, if something cannot be explained through the laws of physics and science, then it's not to be accepted. Some people do not see the spiritual because they cannot see the spiritual. Richard Dawkins is perhaps the the most famous evolutionist in the world. He's a noted scientist, and he is a gifted writer. He's an avowed atheist, and he's a fierce opponent of religion and faith. And he says that those who do not believe in evolution are ignorant and they're brainwashed. He says we must rely on the strength of science and reject this fanciful, whimsical idea of a God in the heavens. He believes the world would be better off without religion because it's based on nothing more than superstition. And in a recent 
BeliefNet interview, he declared, you won't find any intelligent person who feels the need of the supernatural. And he goes on to say that a world without religion would be a paradise on earth. Yeah, some paradise this place is. How would you respond to someone who talks like that? The late Peter Marshall, the chaplain of the United States Senate, was fond of saying that spiritual reality is a matter of perception, not a matter of proof. And there are some things that you cannot prove in a test tube. How can you prove that something is beautiful? Can you demonstrate to me by logic, reason, or intellect the fifth symphony? That is sheer beauty. Can you prove by any method or intellect why a sunset is beautiful? You can't prove that in a test tube. Explain to me scientifically the beautiful fragrance of beautiful flowers. There are mysteries all around us, beautiful, stirring, unexplainable. Take, for example, the strange phenomena of falling in love. Many times I'll ask someone, or someone will ask me in a counseling session, they say, is it true that a, that, that a person can fall in love? And I can answer that question, yes. They say, well, how will I know if I ever fall in love? And I say, don't worry, you'll know. Love, like beauty, is a matter of perception. It is, a, it is something you've got to experience. You can't put it in a test tube. You can't look under it, a microscope to understand it, to come up with some scientific law of proof. The great things by which we enjoy and we live are not proven by logic, but rather by the experiences of life. As it's true of love and beauty, so it's true experiencing a relationship with God and learning how he loves us. Some people visit the Grand Canyon and all they see is a big ditch. And so they hurry on their way after looking at the Grand, Ca Grand Canyon, having missed one of the great wonders of God's creation. The same thing happens in the spiritual realm. People see what they want to see and they don't see what they choose to ignore. In the early days of space travel, a Russian cosmonaut came back to Earth and declared that he looked for God in the space and he could not see him. W. Criswell gave the correct response when he said, let him step out of his space suit for a second and he'll see God soon enough. <laughs> Richard Dawkins says intelligent people don't believe in a spiritual world. Paul says... If you want to call me a fool for believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you want to call me a fool for believing in Jesus Christ, then a fool I shall be. I'd rather be branded as a fool by the world and secure and saved and on my way to heaven than to be consider myself to be the wisest of the wise of this world and die and split hell wide open. My point is not to argue with Richard Dawkins, although I'd love to, oh boy. <laughs> My point is not to argue with him, but to use him to illustrate one aspect of a truly Christian worldview, and that is we believe in something absolutely amazing. I believe in the miracles of God. I believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible said so. 
I'm a Bible believer. I don't believe anything in this world. I don't believe anything through the laws of the teachings of science or the wisdom of men. Listen, you could take all that scrap and throw it in the heap. But the most important thing for you to embrace in this life is the truths of God's word. And the Bible has stood the, the space of time and has stood the fires of the critics. And it is a flaming torch of truth for everyone to put their faith upon. The word of God. We believe that this world that we inhabit is not the real world. It's just the temporary world. This is a condemned world. This is a world that goes through darkness. This is a world that's full of decay and disease and death. This is a, this is a world filled with depression, depression and conflict. There's not a lot of joy here. But I say to you, by receiving Jesus Christ, we have now put our deposit in our new heavenly home where we will experience the epitome of all of the wonderful things that God has created for his people We believe there's another world that is a real world, a world filled with the home of God, a world that's filled with the angels of Christ, a world that is filled with the works of the Holy Spirit. It is heaven. It is a place where the saints of God live and dwell and work and serve Jesus Christ. These two worlds exist side by side. There's the sin fallen world in which we live. But thank God, 2,000 years ago, the heavenly world touched this fallen world, penetrated this dark world, and gave us a message of hope. We don't have to stay in our sins any longer. There is a way out. There's a way out of the condemnation of death. There's a way out of the bondage of hell, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. He's a special visitor that came who had the power single-handedly to bring the human race back into a state of reconciliation with God forever. That's why the angels were looking down upon these lowly, sinful shepherds, and they said, we bring you tidings of great joy. You don't have to die and go to hell. You don't have to be separated from God anymore. He has come to build a bridge to bring you back into the glories of heaven. Hallelujah, give the Lamb a hand of praise. And then number two, Christmas is all about a supernatural interruption. It's a supernatural interruption. I like what it says in Luke 9 and 10. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good tidings that will bring great joy to all people. No doubt the Christmas story is is all about a sudden supernatural interruption. It was a sudden interruption for Mary. She had plans to marry Joseph. They were engaged to be married, and their life was peaceful, and they were making plans, and the families were coming together, and it was something that, and then all of a sudden, the Bible says that, that Gabriel, one of the messengers of God, one of these shining, glorious angels that came and interrupted her world and said, God has found high favor with you. God is pleased with your purity. God is pleased with your knowledge of the scriptures. He's pleased with you. Your life is a sweet and smelling savor. And he chose you, young lady. He chose you, 
to bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world, past, present, and future. She was stunned. She says, well, how, how can I? How can I conceive? How can I have a baby? I, 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 I've never known a man in that way sexually. I, I, I've ne- and, and God says, Gabriel sent a message to Mary and said, don't worry. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and place a seed. And in the male seed, there's the blood. There's seed. There's going to be a baby forming in your stomach, and the Bible calls it a holy thing. This child is not from the bloodline of mankind that is sinful and corrupt. This baby's different than all the other babies. This is an interruption of the human race. This is an interruption of time. It's an interruption, supernatural. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. You gotta, you gotta grasp this. But the Holy Spirit placed the seed in her womb, and it took. She conceived, and she bore out that baby for nine months, and the baby was born. But the miraculous thing was this baby was told his name would be Jesus because he would deliver us from our sins. He was the second of the triune God. That was Jesus Christ who left the throne, the creator of the world. He left his throne. He took off his crown. He took off his robe. And he willingly came down as a seed to be planted in a young, pure woman. And she was... Blessed above women. Jesus Christ, the Word, the very God that flung the stars in space, the very God who created universes upon universes, the very God, the very God that created of humanity, who created the world, who spoke the world in existence, who created animals and who created man, and he created all things. Now, Mary was holding the creator, God, In the flesh, it was a supernatural interruption. She was excited, but she began to realize that no one would believe, and who would believe in a sin-cursed world who has no faith and rejects God altogether, has spat in the face of God? Who would believe only those who would have faith and have a heart of goodness to believe who God is and trust Him completely? The angel said to the shepherds, this is not prophecy for them at that time. He said, the baby is here. The baby is born in Bethlehem. Go and see. And as soon as the angel made this one announcement. The Bible says that the skies opened up and there were myriads and myriads of these Angels, and they said, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and 
goodwill toward men. They were stunned, and the angel said, don't be afraid. God is not an augur. He is not a mad mad God. He's he's a God that loves you, and, and he desires to provide goodwill to you, to receive the greatest gift of all, and that is eternal life. He's not here to condemn us to hell, but he's here to reach out his hand of love and compassion to the lowliest. And after the angels dissipated, the shepherds left the flock. They said, forget the sheep, let's go look for the shepherd. And they ran down the little streets of that little town of Bethlehem, running from street to street, looking into every little stable, looking for this child that was just announced from this other world. And they walked in and they saw a man and a woman. And they they walked in and they saw something glowing from within this manger. And, And they walked in and they looked and they saw this baby. But this baby was not like ordinary birth babies. There was something about holiness of this baby, the the Shekinah glory of this baby. This baby was God in the flesh. No other baby's ever been born like this on the face of the earth. This was a supernatural, divine intervention. The baby. They walked up and looked down and saw those little eyes The God who has the all-seeing eyes, they looked in the face of the Creator. God in all of His vastness and His greatness was brought to one point, vantage point in that cradle, a baby. They looked at the baby's hands that created all things. The very hands that would carry wounds that would redeem all mankind back to heaven. They looked at the little mouth of that baby and saw that that baby's mouth was the mouth of God. It was a divine intervention. And then thirdly, Christmas is about awakening wonder. Awakening wonder. I like what Luke 2, 16 and 17 says. Listen carefully. The shepherds hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph. And there, I love this, and there was the baby lying in the manger. They saw God. And they wondered, how is it that I can see the face of God? How is it that we sinful creatures that deserve hell, that God has bestowed such grace upon us, we that once were an accursed thing, has now received the mercy and the grace of God, and he has invited us to come and see him in the manger. And then the Bible says this, after, I love this, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. 
Now, I know it's possible that you're hearing the words I'm saying, but you remain unremoved and unmoved by what I describe. So let me close by telling you how you can awaken and recover the wonder of Christmas. Don't go out of here today. Don't go out of here today just get, and get stuck in a rut of tradition. Go out of here today with a new, fresh wonder about Christmas. The shepherds, they were so in awe of the baby in the manger. My friends, this is not just another baby born in the human race. This is a hybrid. This is God and man. This Jesus represented all of mankind. But this Jesus that was wrapped in flesh is called an incarnation. This baby is God in the flesh. Several things about wonder. Number one, let wonder begin in the presence of God. You're saying, how can I get the wonder of Christmas? you got to get in the presence of God like these shepherds did. Verse 16 tells us that the shepherds dropped everything and ran to Bethlehem. They ran through the streets, ducking into every stable, and searched for this newborn. And finally they found Mary and Joseph. And finally they looked down and saw the babe. God and man. They were in the presence of the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. They had seen the resplendent light. They heard the sounds, confirmed the signs with the thunder of an angel chorus replaced by the cooing of a nursing infant. Wonder crowded out every other emotion and they were standing there in awe looking in the face of Jesus, the Son of God. Christmas is about getting yourself into the presence of God. It isn't hard. The praise team sings that song, He is Here. They sang beautiful songs this morning, reminding us that we can praise Him. And that you have missed Him doesn't change the truth. Or if you can deny His very existence, doesn't deny the fact that He does exist. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He has lived out His life for 33 years. And He died a sacrificial, atoning life. He shed his life's blood so that we might be forgiven of our sins. And he himself became the offering, the flood of offering that washes away the filth and corruption in every man. And anybody who receives him, who believes in him, who puts their faith and trust in him, is receives to themselves the forgiveness of sins and the hope of heaven and have become a citizen of the kingdom of the world that has clashed into this dark, sinful world, this place called heaven. Mm. Number two, let wonder trigger a positive emotion. Not many people express joy in a season that's supposed to be 
noted by joy. The Zantac pills will be passed out big time. Nerve pills, stress pills, depression pills. The wonder, let wonder trigger a positive emotion. Luke 2.20 says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. They were going back high-fiving. The Messiah's here. We have a Savior. We are going to be able to go to the next world because of this baby called Jesus. You see, when you get some good news, you want to express it. Lately, I've talked to some people that have gone through chemo and radiation, and they've come back to tell me, and there's joy on their face and said, the cancer's gone. It's eradicated. It's gone. I've had some grandparents come up to me and say, I'm going to be a grandparent again, and they're filled with joy. And they spread the joy, and they tell everyone to keep quiet about it would be wrong because wonder is contagious. Wonder is stimulated and kept alive by reliving and pondering over the miracles that God has provided for you. And my friend, today, if you've put your faith in Jesus, your sins are gone. Your sins are buried in the deepest sea. You stand righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You, my friend, are going to heaven. You are going to enjoy the presence of Jesus forever and ever. You will not die, but you will experience eternal life in Christ. You are rich because you have received the inheritance of Jesus Christ. My friend, good things have come our way because of what happened to thousand years ago. Praise the Lord. He has come and he has delivered us all. Praise his name. Mm. Express it. That's what happened to the shepherds after seeing him. They went out and praised and glorified God. And number three, let wonder give birth to worship. The shepherds saw, they heard, and they felt God. And what did they do? They praise God. The shepherds were spiritual-minded people, alive to God, joyous in him. And something big just happened. And their wonder became worship. And their discovery created delight. Truth had vibrated in their bones. They believed in Jesus Christ, the promised one. And the core of their life was altered forever. The shepherds found a new occupation. And that was to be a worshiper. I read a story about a four-year-old little girl named Sashi. She was excited. She was four years old, and she was so excited that her mom was going to have a baby. The baby was brought home from the hospital. And little Sashi was so excited, and she went to her mom and dad and said, Can I have some quiet time alone with the newborn baby? The mom, for fear, thought maybe she was jealous or maybe she had some ulterior motive that she wanted to take the baby to a secluded spot just by herself and just to spend time. They wondered what was her motive. And they felt maybe that wouldn't be the best idea. The baby needed care and being watched over. And finally, after a couple months, the parents began to realize there's not a jealous bone in this little girl. And every day the little girl would say, Mommy, can this be the day that I can spend time with my little baby brother? 
can this be the day that I can, just me and the baby? And the mom and dad said, well, I, I guess there's not a problem. And they said, well, today we'll let you do that. And so the little girl was so excited, this little Sashi. And, and, and so they brought this baby in the room, and the mom and dad stepped out of the room, and the little girl shut the door, but the door kind of popped back open, and the mom and dad could look through the crack. And they saw this little girl, four-year-old baby girl, walk up to this little infant baby and put her face right close to this baby's face. And this is what the little girl, Sashi, said. Baby, tell me what God feels like because I'm starting to forget. She knew that baby came right from heaven. You see, this Christmas season, we need to get as close as we can to the face of Jesus. Say, Lord, I want to know what it feels like to be enraptured with your love, with your compassion, with your holiness. I want to feel the presence of God. This morning, this Christmas season, you need to have a heart like that little girl. Just put your face in the front of Jesus. Said, I want to feel your love. I want to feel your heart. I want your compassion. I want to be close to you. You see, this wonder was transformed into worship. Two worlds clashing together. One world was dark, condemned, and heading for judgment. Another world came and touched this sin-cursed world. Penetrated goodness, forgiveness, love, and brought a special visitor who single-handedly could bring us into the new world called heaven. There was a divine interruption, a supernatural interruption. Christ was received into the womb of Mary everything changed. Then, Christmas is all about the awakening of wonder, the awe, the awe, the amazement that once I was on my way to hell and all the grace of his word fell upon me and the grace of his truth and the conviction of his Holy Spirit, the wooing of the Spirit turned my heart to him. And when I called his name Jesus and God delivered to me salvation and forgiveness and cleansing and I stand here now, not just as a preacher, but once a condemned sinner on my way to hell, but now... My citizenship has been transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son because of what happened 2,000 years ago. He came. He did come. He was prophesied to come. He fulfilled his word. And I'm here to tell you, praise the Lord. His word is good and his blood is powerful enough to wash away all of your sins and sweep you into the kingdom of God forever. Praise his name.
this Christmas season be filled with wonder. Be in awe of the babe in the manger. When you see it on a card, scarcely you'll see it out public. When you see the babe in the manger, and you're going to see it here on the 17th, and it's just a, a symbol, a metaphor. But the babe is God in the flesh because he came to bring you out of the sin-cursed world and bring you into the world and the kingdom of God. Now, you might be here like Richard Dawkins. I don't see it. And you know what? Sad to you, you never will. But let God open your heart this morning. Say yes to Jesus. You can't put him in a test tube. You can only experience him by faith. You ask me, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Open your heart. Receive him. Bow before him. Worship him. He's worthy of all praise and glory. I love you, Jesus. This Christmas, kiss the son. Worship the babe. We are blessed. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Can you do that? Oh, come on, come on, come on. Someone sitting behind you who's just ate something sour, turn around and tell them, you're blessed. Can you do that? Tell them you're blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God,